Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me. My name is Nimrod Mbele, and uh, welcome to your favorite show, Beyond Governance. Uh, as always, I'm delighted to share this moment with you as we continue to push the governance envelope with a view to heightened consciousness of, of ethical leadership, if not courageous leadership. I sincerely hope that despite the unprecedented impact of the COVID-19, you are holding on and weathering the storm by finding creative ways to support your families. I know it is not easy, uh, but we can all pull through. Uh, moving along, allow me to pay homage to those who came before me. Samuel, thank you very much for uh, gracing their way airwaves. Uh, while, while we are at it, let me take this opportunity to thank in advance the drivers of this particular show in the name of Kabisa and Vusit Knight. Uh, let me guys thank you in advance and hopefully we'll keep the lights on, so to speak. Um, as we, as you know, we pretty much agreed amongst ourselves uh, that COVID-19 has given uh, this country an opportunity to think differently, to act differently with the required speed as we are facing the fiscal cliff. I think it is fair uh, for anybody to ask our leaders, especially those in government, that uh, do we have our, our eyes on the ball? Are we moving with sufficient speed and pace? And uh, tonight, in getting a sense of this particular view, uh, I'll be joined online by the the deputy uh, president of UDM in the name of uh, Mr. Makonkwa, as well as uh, Hemen Mashaba, the leader of uh, Action SA, to really give us a sense of their own view in relation to the rolling out of the, the plan, which was uh, ushered by the president last year. Uh, I certainly expect you to weigh in our conversation tonight as always. Our SMS line is 34519. The telegram is 0618951019. Of course, my Twitter handle is at Bell and Nimrod. Uh, perhaps maybe as we, you know, gravitate towards this particular question, uh, uh, we have been deliberate on this particular show over the past couple of weeks or so just to get a pattern of thought in terms of what thought leaders in business are actually saying. You recall in, in the past couple of weeks, we had a, a interesting conversations with the likes of Martin Kingston, who is the deputy president of BUSA. Uh, also a follow-up with Mr. Bonamahala, the chairperson of Bitfest Group, as well as the chancellor of the University of Free State, and the likes of um, Ellen Mukoki, who is the CEO of the South African Chamber of Commerce and, and Industry. And in my, as I reflect to these kinds of conversations that we've had over the past weeks or so, one thing is very glaring for me, uh, is that if, you know, if we are not able to arrest the fiscal cliff that is impending, uh, you know, we are in deep waters. Why am I saying we're in deep waters? Uh, you know, over the past 10 years, the economy barely grew. Uh, uh, you know, we also have um, unprecedented massive of corruption, both in the private sector and public sector. Uh, the budget deficit has escalated to almost 14%. Government debt is accounted for 69.4% of the GDP. Um, the South African debt is currently standing at 81% of the GDP, which is, which, you know, is translated to about 4 trillion. We are in debt with about 4 trillion as a country. Not to say there's anything wrong with that. I mean, major countries are in debt. But the question is, are we growing with a sufficient pace to cover the debt? The question is, the question is very no. Uh, 
uh, you know that even the current uh, COVID-19 vaccines, we are scrapping, we are battling to find resources to find, to fund uh, that particular intervention. And recall that um, uh, last year we were also being downgraded by Moody's uh, into junk, into junk status. Uh, as if it was not enough, COVID came, we had plans, but gee, uh, the rest is history. As we, as we sit here now, the unemployment rate in this country is fastly approaching about 35%, which means for us to move the needle on the positive side, we need to grow the economy by about 4% just to make a dent. And we are nowhere near the 4%. Um, so, so this really brings the question on the response by government uh, in the way of uh, economic reconstruction and recovery plan, uh, which was unveiled by government last year. In making sense of this very complex question, uh, I'm joined, as, as I've indicated earlier, I'm joined online by Mr. Mashaba, the leader of Action SA, and the deputy president of UDM, Mr. Uh, Saziso uh, Kwankwa. Um, I, I expect you to, again, like I said, weigh in our conversation. I'm sure the leaders will be happy to, uh, you know, share or respond to some of your comments. Uh, I dare you. Give us your thoughts on 34519. Telegram is 0618951019. And of course, the Twitter handle is at Nimrod. Better. Um, gentlemen, good evening and welcome. Uh, thank you very much, um, Nimrod. And uh, good evening also to Mr. Kwankwa and the listeners. Uh, thank you so much uh, for, for this opportunity and uh, the discussion and engagement on this very, very important subject. Actually, listening to you with your opening remarks, uh, I felt like, you know what, let me just switch off and go and sleep. <laughs> Hope not. <laughs> <laughs> That's very... Mr. Funk, please come through. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear loud and clear, sir. No, I'm saying thank you very much for the opportunity. Good evening to you and good evening to the listeners at home. And good evening, Mr. Mashabankokil Maolo. Hi, uh, thank you to Mr. Gonkwa. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, and course, gentlemen, without any waste of time, let's get to it. Uh, we, you know, I've indicated before that the, the plan is on the table that's been presented amidst uh, a plethora of challenges. Uh, from Let me start with Mr. Mashaba. Your perspective in terms of the confidence level of this plan is, will this plan deliver us from economic, um, you know, uh, albatross, so to speak. Well, Nimrud, uh, what plan in the first place? Is there any plan to um, uh, in this country the last 26 years? And I think, and I'm not obviously really raising this from a negative point of view. I'm actually raising it from a practical point of view. Is there a plan? Is there a plan for, for the rollout of the vaccine? Is there a plan to deal uh, with the coronavirus? Is, it a, uh, is there a plan to deal with high unemployment? I heard you talking about uh, the unemployment being whatever 30%, just over 30%. Unemployment in this country sitting at for the last uh, uh, um, um, that's as Asia, the result uh, of, of uh, unemployment was sitting at 43.1%. And this morning uh, when I was in the gym, I was listening to, to, uh, to further engagement by economists and um, other clever people with financial uh, modeling. We expect uh, unemployment in this country to, uh, to shortly go 
up to 51%. The one that you are referring to is, uh, is the narrow definition of... Uh, yes, of indeed. Yes, which indeed. I think, which I think it's, it's actually quite misleading. I don't understand why in South Africa we must talk about uh, a narrow definition. Because narrow definition is actually getting us uh, to fool ourselves. Because, I mean, how do you take a 40-year-old person who's been looking for work for the last 20 years and is given up on, on looking and we say uh, this person uh, is uh, employed? I think we, we need to talk about broad definition of employment because these people, if South Africa was serious about employing them with all this, you know, we've, as a country, we're sitting with trillions of investments of factories that are lying empty in the homelands uh, all over. Where I was born in Amanskral, Harangua, where I started my business uh, in the mid-80s, in Kwakwa, in, 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 in Umtata, all over the country, trillions worth of, uh, uh, of factories, relatively new by world standards, owned by the government of the Republic of South Africa. But the tripartite alliance went from closing one factory after the other. And now how can anyone tell me that we're serious about economic recovery when there's no economic recovery? You think about uh, increasing taxes. I think, uh, I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, there's no plan um, that I'm convinced about because there's no plan. Thank you very much for that insight. Mr. Konkwa, your perspective from the UN, UDM. Yeah, well, uh, what we've had from, from the government in the middle, I would call statements of hope and rhetoric instead of coming up with concrete plans about, firstly, how to turn around the South African economy. You know, one of the things the government does very eloquently, it is painting a rosy picture about where it would like without the necessary detail of eloquent and very good at actually uh, stating the problem, to say what is the problem and perhaps at times what needs to be done and not necessarily how it needs to be done. From where we're sitting there, even if you were to consider the 500 billion rents bail package and if you want to add the 200 billion rents plus uh, the loan guarantee scheme, uh, I have not come that breaks it down into a sectoral approach, a document that would also be able to help us to in the interventions that have been made since last year, what was what was the impact of some of the interventions that were made by government in those sectors? Instead, what you read about and what you see in the media is that, as uh, as as Mr. Mashab has already pointed out, that the unemployment rate is increasing. People are losing jobs in this, in many sectors. I had, for example, I went to one restaurant as an example when you talk about the tourism and hospitality industry where I was sitting with a group of uh, people who own uh, restaurants in Cape Town. And one of the things they said, they said in one restaurant, they used to generate about 60,000 rands a day. Now they are 10 over, is 3,000 rands a day. They are lucky at times if they're able to serve three clients. And now they've had to lay off 80% of their staff members. There are others were complaining about having closed down 20, 24 restaurants, but without any help from government. Now you hear about these grand plans about uh, finances or resources that are being made available in order to try and stimulate economic growth and to save specific sectors, but you don't hear people on the ground claiming that they've received the resources that we talk about on TV. 
The other problem is you, 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 uh, a loan guarantee scheme as well for the buildings was set aside, but the take up the some conditions that have been put in place. We rem- I remember specifically us sitting in some of the committees asking the South African Reserve Bank in particular to some of those conditions. And even now, as we go to the budget speech, we're about to prepare for the budget speech, I'm sure that the picture has not actually improved that much from last year to date in terms of that take-up. Up until the about what resources it wants to spend, where it wants to spend them, where the market is going to be, which sectors it wants to focus on, and what it wants to do, then there will be no plan. It will just be statements of hope on TV. Thank you very much for um, for your uh, frank um, you know, thought process in terms of what uh, is on the table. But both of you, I, I, I tend to agree with you because, you know, we seem to, we, we obviously have a grand plan which ordinarily ought to have been translated into sectoral plans with clear target and measurements, and we haven't really seen that much. And and I'm, I'm quite amazed that uh, in the likes of Mr. Kwanka, who sits in, in Parliament, one would have had, one would one would have hoped to to, to hear a nuanced uh, side of things because you are dealing with with it on on a practical basis. But but here's a follow up question to both of you, which in my mind is the biggest challenge because uh, the the statement of hope in the form of the reconstruction and development plan by the state cannot implement by itself. We all know that the biggest challenge in this country has been and is the weak capacity of state. We do not have sufficient men and women with skills, capabilities to execute this plan. That is that we have all agreed. That's a con- that is a foregone conclusion. But the question that I want to perhaps maybe start with the UDM, what, what have you offered? to the state as a direct response to the capacity which is weak. Hence, most of the programs or strategies or plans that have been conceptualized have failed, purely because the state does not have capacity. Well, we have uh, consistently uh, raised alarm with the state, especially so far as the Kida deployment policy, which has caused or resulted in the collapse of many arms of government, including the local sphere of government. It is not as if South Africa has a depth of skills or people with capabilities where it would be able to roll out programs and implement them. It is that when 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 appointments are made in the public sector and in particular, people who are competent, who have the technical know-how to be able to implement programs, who have project management skills, have been sidelined to some extent in favor of cadres. You would find some of the skills that we require are in the private sector. Some of the very competent and skilled people, you might find them unemployed in South Africa, even though they have wealth of experience in terms of how to manage the state. That is that is the problem in South Africa. But the other issues that the minute you do not have, the minute you don't have competent people to run institutions of government, what you're going to have is a collapse of governance in general, which is what government is actually facing at the present moment. I'm sure even when you follow the State Capture Commission of Inquiry, what you hear on a daily basis is, is a hollowing out of state institutions and governance models that we've put in place over an extended period of time. Now, it, it doesn't have to have competent, at times, good ministers or a well-intentioned president at the top if it doesn't have the right kind of people and the right kind of set of skills 
around to be able to implement programs, uh, every, we're, we're really playing much. So I'm saying, it, it, as, as a short-term measure, perhaps what is required now is for government to actually be realistic and to be honest about it, trying to approach it in a very multi-sectoral approach to say these skills and expertise that I require in order to be able to implement certain programs are still found elsewhere perhaps in society if we're able to come together to find solution to some of the problems why not tap into some of the skills and the and the experience mm-hmm. that is available within society mm-hmm. instead of just relying on government those private and public partnerships which we always talk about we talk about them but when it's time to implement the other stakeholders are usually sidelined you 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 had recently when even party leaders the last time the political party leaders complaining saying the last time they were consulted about the program of government uh, insofar as the lockdown and how to deal with uh, with the coronavirus it was some time last year they are kept in the dark meaning even if we, we we wanted to play a specific role to try and help in the implementation program in the oversight role that we need to play we are kept in the dark our source of information is the media and statements from government that way you undermine even those people lose goodwill you have managed to win, win over a certain period of time we're working with you now you are going to have a situation especially going to the 2014 local government elections where political parties end up politicizing COVID which would be unfortunate because of poor leadership at this point in time Thank you very much uh, Mr. Pankwa uh, over to you uh, Mr. Mashaba what is it that um, Action SA is offering or has offered to government to try and address the capacity of state as we have picked up from time to time that we have weaknesses in as far as the ability of state to deliver on programs? I think uh, Nimrod and, uh, and the listeners and Mr. Kwakwa, let, let us be honest uh, with ourselves. I think, you know, for us as Action SA, and I think something personally, I believe uh, that if we are not really prepared to address, then we must accept the consequences. The first thing that uh, is uh, required in this country are the voters of this country to remove the ANC government out of power. As long as you've got the ANC, things are going to get worse. They can't get any better because they do not have the capacity uh, to do what is right for this country because they are not in politics, they are not in government to save society. That's the first thing that uh, that needs to happen. So you you can talk until we turn whatever color, expecting the ANC to do the right thing. That is not going to really happen. Secondly, I believe uh, whoever is going to really take over the, this country, this country does not have a luxury to have uh, 64 ministers. This country can do with a maximum of, of uh, 25 uh, ministers. We don't need uh, the deputy ministers. What for? Uh, uh, in a country with uh, the almost uh, the 54% uh, of our people living uh, uh, within the poverty level. So we cannot afford such luxuries. 25 maximum of, of cabinet that must run and the president must hold those people accountable. We need to deal directly with corruption. Anyone stealing public monies, we need, as a matter of agency, re-establish the Scorpions with more powers and no political interference in in their work. They must be able to execute their work without any fear of favor. It doesn't matter who commits crime. 
they have to have the powers to to prosecute. You can imagine what has happened to us over the last twenty six years of, of our democracy, starting from the days of um, of the arms deal when South Africa was not facing any threat uh, by anyone. We were the the loving uh, nation of the world because of Nelson Mandela. But the first inf- big investment we made was to buy it. Um, uh, armaments, armaments that more than half of it today is lying dormant. We don't even know have to know how to use it. Now we in the middle of a, a pandemic. We are stealing up to the, the food parcels that are meant for the poor people. So we need to the reestablishment of an anti-corruption unit that can really ensure that um, those who steal public monies or private monies they are put behind bars. That's where they belong. And we must recover the stolen money. We need private sector involvement, less government involvement in business. What do they, I mean, you take for, I mean, they almost the entire ANC. ANC. Tell me uh, if ever they've they've ever run anything in their lives except um, politics and singing. What else do they know? Nothing about, uh, you know, the only knowledge of politics is from reading from the book. Politics and singing. No, I mean, no, it's not. Politics is about what's happening in society. Now show me any one of them who's ever that knows anything about twenty seven. So the only thing they know it's actually, as I say, it's about reading. To, they can have PhDs, they can have whatever. That's all they know. But the actual practical running of anything, none of them. I don't know if you you know anyone. I don't personally don't know, and I know these guys because most of them we we grew up with them. So we need the private sector to drive our economy. We encourage private sector investments. I can give an example of what I did when I was around the three years I was running the city of Johannesburg. That city just 26 years ago was one of the, the newest cities in the world. Today we've turned it into a slum. When I took over, I said we are going to rebuild, we are going to reclaim these buildings from uh, from the criminal elements. Give them to the private sector to build affordable accommodation, build uh, SMME hubs for our people. We managed in the three years running a seven-way difficult coalition arrangement. Managed to raise 34 billion, I mean 32 billion rents of investments from the private sector. Now you can imagine with all these factories all over the country, if to, you know. Come 2024, we, we offer them to the private sector to refurbish uh, this, uh, put in money to, in brick and mortar, employ our people, not only in Johannesburg, where people live uh, in, in informal settlements. People of Amaskral, when work at Babilehi Industrial Area, people of Kota, the massive industrial area there. Give the private sector massive investments that they cannot. They don't have to pay taxes for many years, depending on how much they are prepared to invest in brick and mortar and how many people they will employ. South Africa, is, we are the only country sitting with these trillions of investment that we are not uh, utilizing. But and to support what Mr. Kopo was talking about, the private sector uh, um, in terms of uh, cater deployment, I'm making it clear and unapologetic about this. As for us as Section SA, I'm making all these NC cadres who are holding senior position in government employed because of their context, not because of what they know. We are going to get rid of them so that we put a professional, we are going to put a professional public service, non-political for them. We'll, 
we, as politicians, we will come out with policies for them to implement. But at the end of the day, our public service has to be run by a group of professionals, not to politicians. Today, we our our public service, our city managers, DGs, they are all politicians who also not, don't have any experience of of running anything in their lives. The only thing no, they, thank, have thank is they have thank is they have this and so. So, thank so you very some much. of the, I'm, I'm just giving that we need to really be practical. So. As I said, yes. the first thing is you've got to remove the ANC from power in a democratic yeah. manner. No, thank you, sir. Just hold on to the thought. I mean, both of you have made very salient points, which uh, in the next uh, a minute or two after we've taken a, a, a break, we'll definitely come back and thresh them out even more. Um, Vusi, let's quickly pay our bills and come back in a second. Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. If you have just joined us, it is now a, it is now uh, just after uh, uh, 6.30 and we are joined online by Emin Mashaba, who is the leader of Action SA and the Deputy President of UDM, Mr. Saziso Kwankwa. Uh, before we went to the break, I mean, the two colleagues have been giving us a thought-provoking insight in terms of how to turn around the the, the economy. Um, at the at, at the back, the, the conversation is at the back of the reconstruction and development or the reconstruction and recovery plan, which was unveiled by the president last year. What I'm getting from the two colleagues is that, firstly, uh, this is just nothing but rhetoric. This is nothing just a, a nice to have statements which are meaningless because the expectation for both colleagues is that we ought to have had some kind of a tangible, tangible, uh, sectoral plan which will demonstrate uh, how the resources are going to be used. The view that I'm getting from, from both colleagues is that when they interface or engage with uh, SMMEs, the, you know, the sense is that of, of hopelessness in that uh, they have not seen any trickle down of the, uh, you know, stimulus packages which the president has put forward. And, and what it was also key from what I've picked up in the conversation is the fact that um, the the state capacity to deliver has been upstrung by the cater deployment. Both of them, in a way, they do agree that if you were to move away from um, a cater deployment, we are likely to build a cohort of uh, bureaucrats that are professional, diligent, with skills and competencies that are required. For that, Mr. Konkwa pointed out that they, we need to leverage quite extensively on the public public partnership, bringing the NGOs, bringing the public sector, bringing the unions, wherever we can pull or secure, uh, competent individuals will do that. The international, that's what uh, the two colleagues have, have put Put forward as a way of trying to resolve the party of the uh, as a way of trying to resolve the uh, the problem, uh, Mr. Konkwa. I mean, I do appreciate the fact that uh, meritocracy seems to be at the heart of UDM, but it it is all easier than done because we know it. You know, meritocracy. Uh, you know, it, it's it's not gonna move away. Uh, well, let me just put it this way: we're not gonna get to a point where meritocracy prevail. Cater deployment is well entrenched. Uh, if you do, UDM were to be given an opportunity to, to reign, what could be the practical approach, uh, you know, to, to in dealing with uh, in dealing with or implementing 
uh, a culture of meritocracy as opposed to that of cadre deployment, which, in your view, uh, uh, have have evaporated, you know, the the stature of the public sector. Well, the the most important point about dealing or addressing the shortcomings in government currently when it comes to skills shortages and capacity issues, it would be to professionalize the public sector, but in a very responsible manner. Responsible in what sense? In the sense that we are mindful as a party that we have to redress past imbalances and backlogs. In other words, when you professionalize, you also have to understand that you have a responsibility to empower and to give opportunities to those who are previously disadvantaged, who have the uh, the capabilities, but perhaps not necessarily the opportunities to be able to prove themselves in a professional context of what they can be able to do. But what is important is to make sure that they are surrounded by people with the necessary skills and expertise to be able to learn from them, to be empowered, so that there is a cross-pollination not only of ideas but of skills and expertise, especially between the different generations, because I would not be, I would be failing in my duties as a young leader if I don't talk about it, mention specifically the youth, most of whom actually go through tertiary institutions. They come out of those tertiary institutions in order to join the world of the unemployed instead of them being able to be deployed properly in institutions of government where they can acquire the necessary experience from people who have that technical know-how. I am mindful of the reason that the reason why you're asking that question is because uh, we have a past that we need to consider as we try to redress challenges that we face in government. But I think what is also important for us is to say, if government is not clear about the strategy when it comes even to matters that have to do with the kind of skills that we want to to focus on as a country, the kind of education that we want to give to our children. Most of the people who are employers, they actually went for specifically the skills that are in short supply in South Africa, artisanal skills. You will find that many of our graduates, they become employees of people who have actually undertaken or gone through programs that focus on artisanal skills and, and not the ones that tend to be theoretical at times without providing any much help or providing any solution to a specific need of the economy. I'm making that point mindful of the fact that obviously all qualifications are important, uh, but but the strategy of government should be determined by where it needs to take or would want to take the South African economy. I want to make another example to say we talk about the continental area which has come into effect in Africa, but has anyone in South Africa, any specific sector, even the small business industry, been, uh, been, been positioned in such a way from a resource point of view, capacity, support by government to say they must be able to grow their economies using that opportunity, access to markets on the African continent? The answer is an emphatic no. It ends in speeches in parliament. I want to give an example. I spoke about this thing in one of the portfolio committee meetings. I said, the African market, in so far as the, the petroleum industry, is dominated currently by mainly Indians and Chinese people. Do you know how it is that when you, for instance, when you want to bid for a tender, say to supply fuel, for hypothetically speaking, to Malawi, you need a big bond. China and India, they make sure that companies that bid in Africa are given bid bonds by their own banks and they are given the necessary support and the finances they need to be able to, bridging finance, to supply within the first two months because the payment will actually take 
please. Sir. Those are countries that know that in order to penetrate markets, you need to make policies that are going to help your people and not just talk about them. None of that is happening in Africa, in South Africa. We are hoping and praying that through the glossy documents, that through the, the politics and the singing that Mr. Mashaba was talking about, like manna from heaven, these things are going to fall down. It, it means that we need to target specific regions and say, what are the needs? How can we help specific sectors to grow into those sectors uh, and, and package those together and say we are going to assist people, especially young people who are skilled in the sectors but do not have an opportunity. You know what's going to happen, Doc? The only thing that's going to happen is that the, 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 the big corporates are going to take advantage of those opportunities and, and become even bigger. And you'll recall that those, the corporates especially, they are not labor-intensive. What you need are small businesses that can be able to help us stand the unemployment rate. What we need is a system that does not produce people who stand in the unemployment queue and look for jobs, but to change the mindset of young people so that they can to, to try to be employment creators themselves. But they can't do that if they keep on being hamstrung and frustrated by the very same institutions which are useless, like the NDA, where they're only good for kissing sessions and, and, and other <laughs> institutions of government which are supposed to, to help the, the small business sector. The strategy makes no sense. Like I said, if you can dissect the African market, you'll see. I want to give an example before uh, Mr. Mashava comes in. We go around the African continent fighting fires, trying to create stability and say, um, especially when it comes to political. The minute there's a semblance of stability, it's not South African companies that go, it's the Chinese companies that go into those, com and those countries. Because China understands exactly what strategy, whether you agree with it or not in Africa. In South Africa, we spend a lot of money trying to create political stability, peace-building missions, but we do not merit that with, with, uh, with, uh, with our economic interests in a responsible and humane way. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Mashaba, I mean, I, maybe just to leverage on Ms. Conqua's point on, on the importance of promoting artisanal skill, which, I'm, which I'm, I'm, I am sure you would agree with that. And, and we, I mean, the ANC, I mean, uh, well, I mean, the, the country as a whole, is aware that we, you know, there needs to be a shift away from academia to more technical skills. But why is that particular trajectory, any of you, not taking off? Because it's not gospel. It's not, it's not brain surgery. Well, uh, I think, uh, please uh, just really look at uh, my record um, uh, when I was at uh, the mayor of the city of Johannesburg over the three years at local government level. I had already partnered with the uh, University of Johannesburg um, uh, and the private sector. That's why we, one of the conditions uh, that we put forward for you, you as a private sector to get this building, uh, you had to involve the attorney uh, so that our people get practical training. Uh, the university will provide uh, academic training. But we needed people to really be able to make as bricklayers, as electricians, as, as carpenters. So that uh, pro that uh, project was really very successful. Uh, you, you, it, the evidence uh, it, it is, is there. So artisan training is crucial. And we've really destroyed it in this country for, for, for many years. If you look at it, not just artisan training, our nurses. You know, this country is short of nurses. Um, we sort of uh, the, the doctors, uh, 
every aspect social workers the other day i was talking to to, to my family about the need for social workers because as a, as a country we were traumatized by 300 years of colonialism and apartheid and now we are traumatized by 300 by 26 years of ANC uh, misrule and corruption. We are a traumatized nation. So we need uh, social workers. Uh, uh, to, we must not really underestimate the role that social workers can do because as human beings, we can't just go and wake up and go and run businesses uh, when we don't have family structures uh, that are functional. So we need those kind of interventions. So artisan training for us as Action SA is, 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 is one of our key priorities. But but how do we, because one of the biggest issues, which uh, in, in terms of funding, because, um, you know, it, for you to promote a particular trajectory of the economy has to be accompanied by funding. When you look at the university model, for an example, uh, universities are still, you know, generating or, or benefiting substantially in terms of resources, because uh, even though we know for the fact that the the um, the outcomes or perhaps maybe the results of university graduates are going to be queuing for jobs as opposed to creating jobs. Uh, wouldn't be useful as a strategy by promoting greater funding or, you know, uh, you know, creating a fund that is attractive and lucrative for youth to pursue, uh, you know, achieve a system, for an example, as opposed to going to university, because that is only way in which uh, we could obviously persuade youth to pursue uh, TVET system as the most viable system because TVET system in this country, it is still seen as a step child, step daughter, step whatever it is of the education system. It does not have the same uh, uh, you know, prestige, so to say. Uh, and, and with that, because that's also part of a history, with that, uh, hence we sort of perpetuating more and more students going to university for them to acquire a piece of paper which is not worth much at the end of the day in terms of creating employment. Wouldn't that be a practical way of trying to persuade youth by providing more funding to TV systems uh, while reducing funding for university? Wouldn't that be a practical way of approaching it? Yeah, well, I think as I've said um, earlier on, the, the first uh, thing that we've got to do as a country is to remove, democratically remove ANC out of power, the Trapadat Alliance. You know, the damage that COSATU and the South African Communist Party have caused to this country, because they went uh, down closing one factory after the other, one business after the other, to, uh, uh, annihilated uh, small black businesses in the townships. You know, I grew up in an environment where uh, the shops uh, were run by the entrepreneurs under very difficult time circumstances against the, when the apartheid government was against us. Go back into the communities. I don't have to tell you. You can go into any community. Uh, to, to, uh, to today. Businesses are run by people where we don't know where they come from. They don't have documentations. They are not registered. Billions of uh, uh, counterfeit goods brought into this country. Billions that government is actually quite aware about. Uh, you know, so you can't handle uh, one aspect. You've got to do so many things all at the same time because government has got the capacity. That's why I'm talking about having these ministries uh, to make sure that um, we, we 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 train all aspects. We make sure that we've got the rule of law because you can't run a successful economy uh, under uh, anarchy. 
you need the rule of law that uh, that uh, that people must uh, uh, respect. So, as government, it's important to when you, you need doctors, you need absolutely to. We must never underestimate also that we need ac- academic people, uh, uh, professors, and so forth. So, but at the same time, you've got to do everything uh, simultaneously. But you can imagine you have uh, two ministers run by Injimal Mutseha and the Blake. These two people, they've been destroying the education of our country for the, for so many years. And every year they get rewarded by being reappointed, reappointed because, uh, as far as our government is concerned, they are succeeding in, in actually destroying particularly private education. I don't know if you're aware, 80% of private, of public schools in this country are dysfunctional for the, for many years because the principals uh, and teachers are appointed by 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 SACTU, which is part of SACTU. Government has got no say. That's why our president is not doing anything because these are all uh, his friends. He's uh, he uh, he's staying in power. He's totally dependent on this corrupt uh, patronage uh, network. So I think, for me, honestly and truly, if we're serious about turning this country around, the voters of this country needs to come to the party. Come twenty twenty one, come twenty twenty four. We've got to remove this government, but the one that you put into power, make sure that you put them into in. Uh, you put them on terms. You cannot afford to really have any government um, to, to fail you for 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 twenty six years, and uh, twenty six years later you still keep vote, uh, voting them into power. Give them every five years. If they don't deliver, remove them and put in a, a new government into power. Then you will see politicians no. actually divide them. Because one thing I've realized is that, like anywhere in the world, if you want politicians to deliver on your mandate, make sure that they know that they're going to be removed from or from power. Thank you very much, Mr. Mashaba. We literally, we, we literally about five Can minutes. I, Mr. Papa, you okay, sure. No, I just, I just wanted to emphasize an important point that Mr. Mashaba has made. And I think which you couched it in your question in the background to the question you asked him that the problem here is that it's so far as saying we should be channeling resources to the FET college system instead of the higher education institution system universities traditional universities because the point you're underscoring here is that structure follows structure again is that there is no strategy there's talk about doing that how that should be resolved, for instance. We continue FAT college system as, as a step track, as if uh, we continue not to provide enough support to let us go through that system. But it's also from the have artisanal skills. They're an important uh, pool of entrepreneurs from which the state can learn pilot specific programs. I spoke to a government, to the ANC government in the Eastern Cape, about, for an example, a young man who is who was taught by his late father about how to fix gearboxes and how to fix cars. And that is what he's doing. His, his, his grandfather passed away a couple of years ago, and he's supporting his family. Yes, he's able to go to school, but through being able to do what is government to be able to provide the necessary support to harness such skills and to enable that young man to have a certificate and is proving difficult.
as it has always proven difficult to get them to do anything. Mr. Mashaba is also quite correct in saying, in fact, I want to quote something that Corneille Melda once said in the debate in Parliament. He said it's actually quite sad to consider that there is nothing that the ANC has touched since it came into power in 1994 that does not need to be turned around. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. That's where we are, unfortunately. That's where we are, sir. Thank you. No, thank you very much for that uh, thought-provoking utterances about um, the extent to which, you know, uh, there's been damage which needs to be turned around because everything seems to be uh, in a mess. Um, we literally have about two minutes to conclude. Um, I just want to give uh, Mr. Mashaba, I mean, one of the issues that Mr. Mashaba from time to time raised is the is the ability for business to assume central role in, in 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 designing programs that could be funded by government for an example the presidential employment uh, employment stimulus it says you know the government will create and support 800,000 jobs because at an ideological level that seems to be misplaced because the role of government is not to create jobs the role of government is to facilitate an enabling environment through which private sector uh, uh, can assume that particular role you, as we're wrapping up, Mr. Mashaba, uh, literally 30 seconds on this issue. Well, I think, uh, you know, for, for us as an XNSA, we are unapologetic about this. Kosatu knows me quite well uh, over many years uh, that um, our economic policy will never, uh, there's no labor union in this country will have a veto on our economic policy. We will engage uh, unions, and I have full respect for the union because our vulnerable people have got to really be protected. But government's responsibility is on all South Africans employed and, non, uh, and those who are uh, and, uh, the ones who are unemployed and those who are employed. So we will engage with the unions, but they will never have a veto powers on, 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 on us. Uh, we will engage them like we'll engage other uh, 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 members of society. So this whole relationship between the ANC and COSATU, this Trapatata alliance, it's actually so toxic for this country. And uh, as I say, what is the, what is the vaccine for this, for this virus? are the South African voters. So I'm really asking South African voters, you are the vaccine that can save this country from this imminent collapse. Thank you very much. I bet the South Africans have heard you loud and clear that, you know, the vaccine for the toxic uh, corruption mm-hmm. that you're seeing uh, can be done through uh, their role by voting. Mr. Ponka, literally at 30 seconds as we're wrapping up, particularly on the issue of um, the role of government in insofar as creating jobs or facilitating job creation? You will, you will recall, Doc, that we believe in the developmental state model as a party. In the developmental state, it means the state has an active and important role to play in trying to stimulate economic development, which is why you have your SOEs as an integral part of that. Unfortunately, the ANC talks about the developmental state model while its intentions are to actually appropriate public funds for private use, funds that should be channeled to these SOEs to stimulate growth. Yes, part of what the SOEs are intended to do and other arms of the rather institutions of the state are to create an environment that is conducive for the private sector to play its role and not to compete with the private sector, even as you try to push the 
developmental stake models. Unfortunately, the ANC talks le- talks right and then walks left. That's the unfortunate part because I don't think they understand what they're doing. The other critical question, which then comes back to the point where we're saying we've been saying that. Uh, The time has come for the South African people to choose a different political party, to choose the UDM in particular, because what what you have now as uh, the African National Congress government is a government that is in office but not in power. uh, Because it does not know what to do. It has not been able to use its power, including the the two-thirds majority it had at some point able to drive in South Africa. What happens now, it's the stakeholders who are outside, who are running the institution of government in pursuit of their own interests, but using those who are claiming to be in power as puppets. Thank you very much, colleagues, uh, for your input. There you go. We had Herman Mashaba, who's the leader of Action SA and the deputy president of UDM, uh, Mr. Senziso Kwankwa, giving us a blow-by-blow um, antidote, so to speak, of the current uh, plan which has been put forward by by the president, which in their view suggests uh, nothing but uh, empty promises, which have not been able to, which have not, which have not been translated to any meaningful action. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Uh, it has been a pleasure having you on board, and I sincerely hope the listeners have uh, have sort of uh, uh, consumed your 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 views. Thank you thank very you much. Welcome. Thank you very much to the listeners. Thank you kindly. Thank you, guys. Uh, there we are. We had uh, Mr. Hamid Mashaba, the leader of Action SA and the deputy president of the UDM, uh, Mr. Mr. Kwanko. What do you make of those uh, views? I think it was quite fascinating, and I think there's something there. The more and more we have this kind of open and robust conversation about what is wrong, we're more likely to find each other. On that note, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there because we have run out of time. Let me take this opportunity to once again wish you nothing but the best, and please do say stay safe until we all have been given a shot on the arms. Tavisa, Vusi, thank you very much, and good evening. Beyond Governance was brought to you by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.